who is faithful and a God who forgives.
hundred-year-old hymn. It was written in 1923 and is based on the chapter in Lamentations chapter 3. And the author in that chapter is, in the first half of it, just bitter and so angry at the Lord. And then the second half of the chapter is he does a 180 and he's blessing the Lord, praising the Lord. And right in the middle, the crux of it is this verse. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never end.
Redemption Church, isn't he faithful? Man, isn't he good? Guys, I, I don't know about you guys, but I love coming to church. I, I love being able to come in and stand with like-minded believers and worship this same God together. Guys, and I don't, know, I don't know if you guys know this, but this isn't something that we deserve. It wasn't something that we earned of ourselves, but this is a gift from God. To be able to stand here and sing, great is your faithfulness, is a gift that was afforded to us by Christ. Amen. And so as we um, continue on in this service, I want us to remember, I want to invite you guys to remember this Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago and who died on the cross for our sakes. That every single breath of air that you take is because of the mercies of God. That Jesus, a man who was sinless in every way, who walked on earth just like we walked. He came and, and bore our sins on the cross, living a perfect life and taking, taking on our sins that we might have his righteousness. And that's why we're here today. We're here because God gave himself for us. And we wanna remember that. One of the ways that Jesus has instructed his church to remember that sacrifice is through the church partaking in what we call communion. And you may have guessed it by the little cups that we have here in the front, but we're gonna go and partake in that holy tradition that's been going on for 2,000 years. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, the word of God reads, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supping, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus himself instructed the church as a memorial to his sacrifice said, every time you take that piece of bread and you break it, know that my body was broken for you. Every time you take that cup and you drink that grape juice, in their time they drank wine. He says, remember the blood spilt for your behalf. During these new, uh, next two songs, we're gonna invite you guys to come forward on your own time, maybe individually, maybe as a family, maybe with a group of friends. But we ask you, as you come, that you would do this in remembrance and in thanksgiving to the God who gave himself, to the God who suffered and bled for our sake. When you come and take this offering, make sure to come to the side to allow more people to come through. And when you're finished, go ahead and drop it in these receptacles there so that way we're not having to pick up little cups off the floor. The, the janitors would really appreciate that. And, um, but most importantly, I pray that when you guys come up here that your guys' heart posture would be correct, that we would do this in worship to the God who gave himself for us. Let's go ahead and pray today, church. God, we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because in this life we get to experience so many great gifts, but none of them as amazing as this gift of salvation, this very gift of you that you offered yourself for our sake that you, though not deserving of death, 
gave yourself to death. That you, though you had every right to stand in judgment, offered mercy and grace to all those who would come to you. Lord, I pray as, that we, take, as we take time to, to remember this and to thank you for it, Lord. God, that you would move in our spirits, move in our hearts. God, to understand even a fraction of a fraction of the weight of that message, of this good news, that you died for us, taking on our sins, that we might have your righteousness so that we can live with you forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see my chains
everybody. Welcome this morning. Welcome to Camp CC. It's a very, very special weekend. I'm glad that you are all with us. It's especially uh, kind of special for me because this same weekend, six years ago, Camarillo Community Church uh, voted to make me the new lead pastor. Six years ago, it was new. Today, it's more, you know, six years later. And what I like to do uh, every year, uh, you know, the first weekend of March is to kind of bring somebody by who's been very pivotal, pivotal in me. Uh, in development of me or as a mentor of mine or coach of mine of some sort of that nature. And so we're going to have a special morning in that sense today. And I'm so excited. Uh, we have with us uh, Bill Ankerberg. He is uh, kind of our uh, regional vice president in our, uh, we'd like to call it a family of churches. There's about 600, 1,600 churches in Converge across the United States. In our Southwest District, there's about 125 of them. And right now we are planting 25 more in our Southwest District. And so he is the regional vice president of all that. We used to call these things a denomination, but because people think, oh, that means we're taking marching orders, we decided to go away from that terminology. And now we're just a family of churches that believe we're better together. And so I know pastors in, you know, St. Louis, Texas, and I can kind of call them, ask them what they're doing. They ask what we're doing. You know, we kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, learn best practices from one another, but we're completely autonomous, but we do believe in uh, being better together and having this family of churches. And one of the things that we get is like a bill who I can call at any time, uh, who's been there to personally mentor me. He was here when my wife and I were on the stage together several years ago to kind of put the denomination or our family churches are our, our, uh, uh, kind of Converge's hand of approval on that whole thing. And so he's going to be here today and kind of sharing with us. I know you guys will absolutely love him. Uh, great guy. Uh, you can come on up here, Bill. And uh, he is formerly the lead pastor of Whittier Area Community Church, uh, a church that he got to about 3,000 people in Whittier. He will never say it. He's a humble man. In fact, in the first hour, he came up here early just to get me to stop talking about him, but I won't stop. Uh, this guy's like a hero to me. I've been there done that now pastor emeritus and does a lot with our uh our denomination or with converge great man would you give bill engerberg a hand of applause uh, thank you thank you so much it is an honor to be asked uh to be invited to honor david uh, in this church and he said i could speak about what i wanted to he said you can give it me a challenge or a church and a I choose to talk to you as a church today, and my, my subject uh, is kind of going to be within the idea of uh, what would it be like to have a church without walls? What would it be like if we could have a church where the people on the outside weren't afraid to come in with us? What would it be like if, if we could kind of get out into the, the world around us more and let them hear about Jesus uh, in a non-threatening way, in a loving way. I think so often, uh, especially the past uh, few years, uh, people see Christians more as a political block than they do as people who are followers of Jesus. And uh, the COVID years and the political things have created just tremendous division even in, within the church. But I would love to kind of call us back to say, we are not here for us, but we are here to fulfill the calling of Jesus Christ. And we'll see in a minute in Luke 19 that Jesus said that he came to seek 
and to save the lost. That was his purpose statement. And how can we join him in that? How can we be part of what he wants to do in this world? There was a, a woman named uh, Renee uh, Berry, Carmen Renee Berry, and she wrote uh, a book about going back to church. And as she wrote this book, here's what she said. When a friend committed suicide, I realized I could become too cynical, uh, too lost, and too alone. She said, I realized I could become lost. I needed a church, a community of believers. I needed to live in my faith and visit my doubts. I love this next sentence. Something happens there that simply doesn't when we are alone in prayer or on the internet. Uh, I'm glad we have the internet. I welcome those of you watching on, on the internet. But at the same time, there is a difference when we come together. After COVID, you know, got to the place where a lot of us were allowed to get back together and, and uh, share together in church, one of my friends was across the aisle from me and she was crying the whole service. And I said, I thought something terrible had happened or what was it? And I went and asked her at the end. She said, I'm just so happy to be together again. So do you remember what it felt like when you couldn't have the, the fellowship of the church that we have? And we, we should embrace it more and we should uh, treasure it more. And she says, as much as I hate to admit it, my faith is enhanced and enlarged when in relationship to other less than perfect human beings. I like that she groups herself in that group of less than perfect human beings. Anybody else with that? Yeah. Uh, Barna Research uh, has interesting questions about when, when you're looking for a church, what are you looking for? Now, let's speculate. Well, maybe they're looking at, uh, at the pastor. You know, that's kind of important. Uh, maybe they're looking at the theology. They want to go to a place that has the, you know, maybe they're, they're uh, into the worship thing and everything like that. But you know what they said? The number one thing, here it is. The number one thing they said that they're looking for in a church is how much the people seem to care about one another. I think that's really intriguing, don't you? In other words, the, the thing that they most want to see is, you know, are people smiling? Are they happy? Are they hugging or kissing? You know, happy. I, uh, I remember uh, I was a pastor for a number of years in the Chicago suburbs. I grew up in Chicago, as if you couldn't tell. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, we had people who would join our church. And one of the reasons they would join our church is they'd been Catholic all their life. But what bothered them was at the end of the service, people would leave before the service was even over. And people out in the parking lot were honking their horns at each other, cursing each other in the parking lot. And they just said, we just can't, we just can't go to church that there. That's not what we're looking for uh, as far as, as trying to grow in our faith. Uh, if we look at the uh, Tears of Jesus, Hebrews 5 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with uh, fervent cries and tears. So we know that Jesus was, again, a man of prayer. Quite often it tells us he went alone to prayer. But what was he praying about? Well, here's part of it, Luke 13. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He cried and prayed over the city of Jerusalem. Even on this great day, on Palm Sunday that we celebrate coming up soon, uh, when he comes into the city of Jerusalem and people are praising him and celebrating him, it tells us in Luke 19, 
as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. I mean, think about it. People are, you know, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. They're waving the palm branches and he's crying. He's crying. He says, if you, even you had only known this day, what would bring you peace? Let me ask a question. How, how many of you live in Camarillo? Residents of Camarillo. Okay, most of you. Do you think if Jesus could come to Camarillo, he would cry over some of the things he saw in, in life and in the city? I think he would. And it says, I wish you knew the things that would have brought you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The great mystic uh, Thomas Merton wrote, if you want to identify me, ask me not where I live or what I like to eat but how I, or how I comb my hair, but ask me what I am living for. Here's a great question. What keeps you alive? What's your purpose in life? Uh, ask me that in detail and ask me what I think is keeping me from fully uh, living, living fully for the thing I want to live for. What's holding you back? Jesus said, by this, everyone will know you're my follower if, if they see that you're loving each other, that you're caring for each other. The same thing that people are looking for in a church, according to Barna, is what Jesus said ought to typify the church of Christ. Jesus said, again, in Luke 19, the Son of Man, the, the, Jesus uses that phrase, uh, the Old Testament phrase about the coming Messiah to talk about himself. It's, it's the term he uses most to self-identify himself, the son of man, came to seek and to save the lost. I mean, you think of what a simple statement it is and yet what a profound statement it is. I, I was looking at this, some of these words. I, I told you, like Renee Berry said, she was afraid she'd get lost. Here's Samuel Coleridge. I am a fallen, lost creature. There, there are others, like Gertrude Stein said, we are a lost generation. All kinds of people have throughout history, uh, express the fact that they're lost. <laughs> about, uh, about a week ago, I was staying with a friend in a city of La Habra Heights, and they don't have any street lights, very dark area, and uh, there's only a two-lane road going to where this guy lives. So I was going on that road, and all of a sudden, someone had gone off the road and uh, had hit a post and had knocked all the power out in the area. So I'm calling uh, my friend on his cell phone, to say the road is closed, there's fire engines, paramedics, police, I can't get through to your house. Is there like a back door way that I can get through to where you live? And he says, well, yeah, there is, but it's very complicated. Oh, thanks, you know. And then uh, because uh, internet was down, GPS was down, everything was down in that area, uh, he had to get out the old Thomas guy. Do you remember the Thomas guy? And he, he is in the dark in his house with a flashlight uh, trying to walk me through with the Thomas guide what streets I should take, and I finally did, thank God, get there. But you realize, uh, boy, we are very dependent on technology, aren't we? But, but I have been lost in my life, and I can remember the day when all we had were maps, and sometimes, you know, that wasn't very helpful, it was out of date, or the road signs were confusing. It's a terrible feeling to not know where you're going or to want to get someplace, but you just can't figure out how to get there. And Jesus said, I've come to help people who are that way. If you look at the history of Christianity, 
Rodney Stark is a great theologian at, the, at Baylor University, wrote a huge book called The Triumph of Christianity, uh, The Rise of Christianity. And he says in 40 AD, there were a thousand Christians in the world, born again followers of Jesus Christ, a thousand of them. By 200, 160 years later, there were 218,000. How many of you think that's pretty good? Say amen. That's significant growth, right? But look what happens in the next 150 years. It goes to something over, all close to 34 million people. And, and what Stark does in his book is he tries to say, what is it that happened in that, that next 150 years that brought us from 218,000 to almost 34 million people coming to know Christ? And you know what he found out it was? Epidemic. Uh, and, you know, if you thought COVID was bad, you certainly know in, in the uh, early centuries of the church, here's John Ortberg, uh, in the second and third, again, in the third century, there were mass epidemics wiping out up to a quarter of the towns in the ancient Roman Empire. Everyone else would literally dump their dying relatives out in the streets to die. And the church would take them in, would risk their lives, share what little they had. And the reason the gospel spread the way that it did was not because the church got really good at figuring out how to out-argue everybody else and win a culture war. I'm going to stop there for a minute. I, I was engaged uh, for years. I've been a pastor over 50 years now. In the 70s, we had what was called coffee house ministry. I don't know if any of you ever did that, but we would go. We had a little coffee house thing, and people could come in, and we would talk to them. We would share Christ with them. I, I was a philosophy major in college. I thought I was pretty smart, and I thought I could talk to people and do that well. And I can remember so many nights talking to somebody and realizing they didn't have a leg to stand on anymore in their thought process, but they still did not want to know about how to become a Christian. And I began to realize that you cannot argue people into heaven. You just can't. It's got to be something that catches their heart as well as their mind. And I think this is why Christ talks to us as a church about taking down the walls by showing love and kindness. Can you think of a way your church is doing that this month? Yes. What? Yeah, cater to cop. Cater a cop. I love that when I saw that. I said, these guys are doing some good stuff here. And it, it, uh, he goes on and he says, they didn't out-argue the world. They out-loved the world. They out-served the world. And that's how it spread to 34 million people. And that's how it always is that way. And it's still that way. I agree with that. And I'm so tired in, in our job, you know, in, in the district office, 125 churches, got churches that are fighting about stuff, people, churches where the board's not getting along and somebody on the board's causing trouble or Somebody on the board is fighting with the pastor. They're mad at something the pastor did or the pastor's mad at the board. You know, it's, I, guess I get so tired of that sometimes. And I just say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. If you don't know what a winner you have in David Hurtado, you're idiots. I'm just telling you. He has been one of the most strategic leaders in the North LA area for us. And he is helping us right now plant five churches. We have not planted a church in LA for 20 years. And David is the key player helping us plant five churches in North LA right now. Uh, he just does an amazing job. 
going to our main text, though, now, Isaiah 62. Now, this is uh, Isaiah the prophet talking. And as he talks about, he talks about Zion, the, the name of the holy part of the city of Jerusalem. I will not keep silent for Jerusalem's sake. I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name. I'm going to give you a new name. The mouth of the Lord will be still. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your king, of your God. No longer will they call you deserted. What Isaiah is acknowledging is, look, you know, here's what people said about Jerusalem. God doesn't care about them. God has forsaken them. Or, or name your land desolate. Shimama. I said, I think that was a group in the 50s. But, uh, uh, and, which means barren. But you will be called Hephzibah. I delight in her. God is going to look at you and other people are going to say, there's nothing there. And, and God's going to say, yes, there is. I love these people. I delight in these people. And your land is going to be called, how much does he delight? Beulah, married. Now here's the word Beulah, what it looks like kind of in Hebrew. It means to marry, to possess, or to own. And uh, we know that in 2 Corinthians, it tells us that, that God, uh, Jesus called the, the, the church, you know, the, his bride, the bride of Christ. But here, the, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. Uh, your land will be married. You will be Beulah. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. I have sinned in many ways, one of which is that I have not always loved the place I lived. I have complained about the politicians. I know Romans 13 says the people over us uh, are, you know, are appointed by God. I'm not sure if he included California, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and complain about so many things about the people who have this terrible job. Years ago, I, I was in Washington, D.C., and I went into the office building, and I went into uh, Diane Feinstein's office. I sat in her outer office. I just prayed for her. I wrote a note, just wanted you to know a lot of us are praying for you. Uh, I, I went into, uh, it was Kamala Harris was our senator then, wrote in her office, same thing, prayed for her. You know, I, I don't just want to turn my back on people. I had trouble uh, as a pastor in Whittier. Again, I was there for a long time. I lived in the my same house there for 29 years, but I was pastor there for 21, 18 as senior pastor. And while I was senior pastor, the church was growing. We didn't have enough parking. We didn't have enough space. We were going to like five services on Sunday. It was just getting to be crazy. And, uh, and I was going to the city to say, we need to fill out the original plan we had to add space and build a, a larger worship center. And uh, in Whittier, uh, they're not very uh, pro-church. Uh, and I'm not sure California is, frankly, generally. But, you know, the neighbors will complain about traffic, more traffic, more people, more noise, more everything. There were a lot of reasons why, you know, there was opposition. And the worst thing in Whittier was you had to go through the planning department, then you had to be voted on by the planning commission, 
then they would send it to the city, and the city, uh, the, the board of the city, five people would vote on it. And if any one of, if one of the five people voted no on your plan, you would go all the way to the back of the line and start over again. So I'm trying to get this done for eight years of my life. Uh, and uh, I'm sure your pastors are more patient than I was. And I was just so unhappy. About six years in, seven years, I was just done. I finally went to the one Christian I knew on the, on the board, on the city council, and, uh, and said, I need an advocate. I need help. At that point, it had been seven and a half years. We still didn't have our conditional use permit or building permit. We, we, we were desperately in need of something. And I need somebody to go to bat and somebody to help me. And he helped me. And within six months, we finally got through the, the planning commission and the city council and got unanimous votes to both places so we could go forward with our building. Praise God. Amen. And today, if you go to Whittier, there's a 1,557-seat auditorium there. It's just a beautiful church, and thousands of people come every week to worship God there. But here's the point. When I was complaining and whining and griping about the city, nothing happened. And it was finally when God changed my heart and said, I'm going to love these people. I'm going to love those in authority over me. I'm going to go to them, and I'm going to ask them to help me. I'm going to ask them to, you know, help us as a congregation. And you know what? The city grew to love us. And one of the things we did in those years was we changed what we do in the city. And we started what we called Serve Weekend. And in our church, we uh, decided that people need to know it is important to be involved in the community. And so uh, one weekend in, in May we just canceled all our worship services and said, uh, this week we're going to do worship as service or service as worship. And we had 100 different projects from the public schools. Uh, we repainted the Boys and Girls Club. We repainted the Counseling Center. We repainted the uh, Pregnancy Care Clinic. We, uh, we repainted several murals in schools. We did a lot of plantings, bushes, everything, and just said, uh, we're doing, we didn't have t-shirts, we didn't have anything. We said, what we're doing here is we want you to know that as followers of Jesus, we care about you and we want to help you. And we want to love you and we want God to get the credit. We didn't want to wear shirts that said our church name even. We want God to get the credit, but we want you to know that we're helping. And we started to do that. You know what happened? Eventually that grew into a movement in the city of Whittier it's about 85,000 people in that city. And that city now has a website and everything called Love Whittier. And 17 churches are part of that movement now. And the, the Whittier Church is taking the whole month of March this year. In the whole month of March, they're doing acts of service in, in and around that city. When we finally started to say, you're our bride. We love you. We value you. We want to take care of you. We want to hold you up. We don't want to curse you. We don't want to be those old prunes who are griping and complaining about everything. And that's what they think about a lot of Christians, by the way. We want to be the people who are here to help and make this a better place to live. And you know what happened then? Then they got behind us. So um, here's my point again. This was all addressed to the city of Jerusalem. So are you married to your community, wherever you live, whether it's 
whether it's Camarillo or wherever it is, are you, part, are you praying for the 62,000 plus people who live here? Are you praying for the people who have the hard task of trying to keep those people happy? Louis Palau, the great evangelist, said, except you connect evangelism with deep involvement with society, you will not get a chance to preach the gospel. He's the greatest evangelist probably in the Spanish-speaking world. He said, you cannot evangelize until people know you care. And so a loving generosity is the new evangelism. It's the best way <clears throat> to show the love of Christ in practical ways so that God gets the credit. What about our service? How do we make that happen? Well, pastor, I like the word from uh, warning from Timothy Keller. Pastors often hear, I work my fingers to the bone in this church. And what thanks do I get? Well, is that, is that the way it is? Yeah, you, your service was for thanks? Are you in your right mind? Servanthood begins where gratitude and applause ends. If you do it for, for applause, I loved your worship team. You know why I loved your worship team? Because they were leading us in worship. They weren't putting on a show. I got to tell you, I've been in services where it felt like it was a performance. And I just didn't see people authentically worshiping God and wanting me to worship with them. And I, that's the way it ought to be. Jesus said in Matthew 20, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In John 12, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be, and my Father will honor the one who serves me. Who does God honor? The person who serves. Oswald Chambers, the great writer, said there is no such thing as prominent service and obscure service. It's all the same with God. And it's true. And one of the people who had a great impact on this world was Mother Teresa. I still remember Malcolm Muggeridge telling about being on the morning news shows in, in, uh, in New York City in America, like Good Morning America or something like that. And as, as they're on the show, uh, there was a commercial that came on, and Mother Teresa couldn't understand what the commercial was about because she didn't understand what diet food is. And she was asking people, you mean people in your country buy food that has no nutritional value? And this woman who's trying to, to feed and care for dying people couldn't understand that there's a market in our country to have food which has no calories or nutritional value to it. She just couldn't understand that. One of her great quotes was, you need only ask at night before you go to bed, what did I do to Jesus today? What did I do for Jesus today? What did I do with Jesus today? You only have to look at your hands. That is the best examination of conscience. Well, friends, Jesus said, you know why I came? I want to reach lost people. I want to go find them. I want to love on them, and I want to bring them to know me. And I still think he weeps over not just Camarillo, but a whole bunch of cities where he sees all these lost people. Do you know we have an epidemic? The Center for Disease Control said we have an epidemic of depression and discouragement in our world, saying that something like uh, of our young people, three out of five have committed, have committed or thought about committing suicide. Most, 60% of them, have thought or are, are so depressed they're not even sure they want their life to go on. That's what lostness looks like. And, and people who are just nothing but 
uh, people who can gripe and complain have no sense of where they're going, what they're trying to do. I want you to be part of something. I want to call us as a church to be the church, to tear down the walls, brick by brick, tear down the things that keep people away from us, keep people from misunderstanding us. And instead of just trying to win arguments with people, to show the love of Christ in a dynamic way that will draw them to want to become a part of what God is doing here at this great church. And that happens brick by brick. You can't blow up that wall. It's got to come down brick by brick by brick. But you know, if you started to work with your friends and your neighbors, I can prove to you statistically that if, if you get along with people and if they think you're a decent human being and you invite them to church, there's a 54% chance they will go with you to church. But you know how you do that? You go in your neighborhood and you're praying for the people who live in your neighborhood and you see somebody who needs help or needs a tool that you have, you help them out. You, you're there to watch over, to help the people if they're older or needy or, or if they've got young children, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? One of the great questions of life, I want you to repeat this after me. How can I help you? Say it now. Well, keep listening. Uh, you know, how can I help you? And if you look, I'm inviting you to be on a winning team. If today is an average day in this world, uh, 10,000 people in South America will become followers of Jesus Christ today. If this is an average day, 20,000 people in South Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, will become followers of Jesus today. And if this is a typical day in one of the worst places I can imagine being a Christian, China, 32,000 more people will become believers today. You know, they're, tear they're tearing down churches. They're, they're, they're putting pastors in prison, and it just keeps growing and it's growing in one of the fastest rates of growth in the world today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do care about lost people. And we thank you that you came to seek and to save us while we were far away from you. God, I pray that you would uh, be with us today. And I know that uh, there are some here who I think have not really found their way. And if that's you, friend, if you just feel dazed and confused and lost or whatever it is, before you go, uh, if you aren't rock solid sure you're going to go to heaven when you die because you know and love Jesus, if you're not rock you know, solid certain that, that you really have made your peace with God, just pray these words with me in your thoughts, and God who knows every thoughts will know. And just say, God, I need you in my life. I I do feel lost. I feel confused at times. I'm just not sure who I am or what I'm supposed to be doing. I've got a lot of questions in my mind, and I'm, I just really need your help. And I'm asking you to help me today, God. I'm asking you, Jesus, to come and save me. I'm asking you to come and give me a new life. I need a new beginning today. I need a whole fresh start, God. I've made a mess of some things, and I need your forgiveness, and I need your love and your kindness to me today. And so I'm asking you right now, God, bring that to me, please. Forgive me, love me, care for me. I want to become a follower of Jesus today. And, and pray that in his name. Now his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'll ask you to do one thing. I'm not going to ask you to stand, come forward, sign it, nothing. One thing. And it's only because Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before God in heaven. 
And I would like the privilege of being your witness. If you pray that prayer with me, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. You pray that prayer with me today. Would you just put your hand up right now? Just so I can, yep. Yes, yes, thank you, sir, in the back. Yes, thank you. One more time, I'm going to ask you, that's it. Between you and God, anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Lord, you said that if we would make that decision, you would seal that commitment with your Holy Spirit. So come and seal those decisions right now. Uh, Two more questions. I have sinned because I told you, I've confessed it to you, I cursed the people who led my city. I cursed the people who, you know, I, I should have loved and helped. And I eventually became so close with our city councilman, who's our mayor. He used to call me for lunch and just said, I just need somebody to talk to. And, you know, I've turned it around. But how many of you say, you know what, I'm sorry, but I've been kind of a grump. I've been complaining about things. I've been griping about things. I'm upset about the, the price of uh, gas and energy and everything else. And all I do is I, I don't want to be this way, but I'm just griping. I'm complaining about so much in the world. Just put your hand up if you'll join me. I got mine up. Anybody else? I confess it to you, Jesus, today. I need a fresh attitude. Yeah? And just say it in your, in your quiet prayer right now. Just ask him to forgive you for it and say you want to change. And then finally, how many of you will join Jesus in trying to really, through Camarillo Community Church, really change this world one person at a time by showing the love and kindness of God? The Bible says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, showing that love and kindness of God that Jesus called us to, to your community, people on your block, people in your family, people you work with, people you go to school with. How many of you would put your hand up and say, I commit to do that. I'm going to do that. I want to do that with Jesus and with his strength. So God, see our hands, answer our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Would you give Bill a round of applause? Well, as I said, it's a very special uh, morning together. I have a friend with me today. This is James Samuel. Uh, He's our missionary to northern India. Now, if you might remember several months ago, if you're new to our church, you might not know this, but we unveiled something called the Welcome Project, which we're trying to raise upwards of a million dollars to redo our patio, redo our kind of our uh, our, the the frontal face of the community type of thing and make it more seating areas and whatnot. And by God's grace, we're able to raise the funds that we think we're able to do that. Right now, we're with the city in, in communications. Our our architect is turning our beautiful um, picture drawings into engineering drawings. And once we have that, we can go back to the city, do one more round of getting their approval, and then we can start getting contractors, seeing the costs, and, and seeing when we can get a spade in the ground. Well, during that season, it was the fall, James came by and and was letting us know of a need that they had in northern India. Now, for those of you guys who weren't here and don't remember, southern India, very, very uh, open to Christianity. Northern India uh, is is not as open, in fact, very closed, illegal to convert to Christianity. James grew up in southern India and decided to go minister in northern India. 
Uh, that's the kind of caliber of person that he is. And he came and he told us that for the last several years, they would find a building that could house their church, um, that we've had a relationship now with over, uh, over 15 years. And, uh, and each time they find a building, the community convinces the, the business owner of the land to kick the church out because they're so hostile to Christianity. So four times in the last several years, they've been evicted. If they had $50,000, they could buy their own piece of land and build their own building, which would be kind of one of those situations where uh, underneath in the basement, they would be able to do church activities, and then on the top floor, they could do services to the community and actually use it as a place of outreach. But the most important thing was they would be their own owners and they wouldn't be able to be evicted anymore. I brought that to the church and said, how, what do we do? Well, we're trying to raise upwards of a million dollars, and yet we have a brother and brothers and sisters in India who are having this situation. Uh, does it make sense to try to pull away monies from what could be for us and give it to them? And you know, our elders decided we're going to go for it. We're going to try to do both. And uh, we presented the need, and there was somebody who gave a $20,000 matching gift, and there was somebody else who gave more. And so today, James, we wanted to let you know we have a gift for you. Come on out. This is from our church to our brothers and sisters in India that we have not met yet. Here's a check for $44,340 that were given above and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Normal gifts. And did you hear what I said? We're still gonna be able to do everything that we have hoped to do as it relates to the Welcome Project as well. And so I'm gonna give you a, a, a second to say something in a second, but I just wanna let you know, this is our offering time uh, every week. We do, we don't pass a plate or anything, but most of us uh, will give online. But I just wanna let you know that we have had a goal of, of taking a, a dollar for every $10 that comes in, $10 of every $100 comes in, and to make sure that it goes outside these walls, that it doesn't affect us. I think last year, we're up to 9.6% of all gifts went outside the walls. Uh, 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 we're going to uh, approve a budget this month for the next fiscal year, and we will be at 10%. So when you give to us, you give us the ability to do things like this. And now, you notice that we needed $50,000, and we only got 44, 340, something like that. I'm believing today that somebody's call, God's calling some of you, maybe one of you, maybe 10 of you together that will take up that last $6,000 and so we can make sure that uh, our brother James and his church family can meet and worship God in Northern India. Now, I just noticed I was out there it seemed like you had your church write little cards of thank you. And so if you wanna take a card of thank you, you'll see these little messages from India. Isn't this so cool? We've never met them, they don't know us, but they wrote us little cards saying thank you. And you can take one and have it, put it on your refrigerator, and as you think of them, you can continue to pray for them. But please continue to pray for James. He's in a very hostile place, uh, but we're gonna try to help and, and, and make that a little better. I wanna give you some chance to, to talk to our congregation. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor David, for this opportunity. And I receive the gift which you give, and it is so blessing to us, and it is helping us to build a uh, church in the city of Lucknow, Uttar Pradesh in northern India. 33 years I'm serving the Lord, but I was keeping on changing the building because more than a six month, never our house owners allowed to conduct a church. But this is, will be the golden opportunity for me or my congregation to have a church building with the help of this congregation. I want to thank you, Pastor, and all the authorities, all the congregation members for your contribution. May the Lord bless you. And I'm sending all the greetings from our church members, elders, 
and from my family, and God bless you all. Thank you very much. Thank you, James. James will be out in the patio. If you want to talk to him a little more, make sure you take a card. And just know, I, I read some of the messages. It says, it says, come visit us. That's what they're saying on the cards. Come visit us. We want to meet you type of thing. So isn't it beautiful that here we have a faith and um, yet we can have a you know, camaraderie with people across the world because of our love for Jesus Christ and we can help our brothers, sisters in other places. So thank you for the help. When you help us, you allow us to help them as well. So uh, thank you. We'll give you a hand and then please meet people outside. You guys, check out the this video and uh, we'll keep on going from there. Hey CamCC, I'm Jacob Salas, the junior high pastor. I'm so glad you're here with us. If you're a first, second, or third time guest, we have some great gifts for you at the welcome counter to thank you for checking us out. Starbucks gift cards for your first time, stylish mugs for your second time, and an all-you-can-eat dessert with our staff and elders for your third time visit. Mark your connection card if this is your first, second, or third time with us, or if you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. There are a lot of great things coming up at CamCC, who will you ask to join you? The month of March, cater a cop. Appreciation at the police station. I'm so excited about our community impact initiative as we look to support law enforcement in Camarillo. For all the deets and how you can be a part of this great opportunity, check out our table after the gathering or go to camcc.net. Tuesday, March 14th, worship night, 7 p.m. Join us for a powerful night of worship and prayer. We will introduce a couple of new songs and some classics. If you haven't checked out one of these yet, bring a new friend and save the date. K-5 through students, during the worship time, there will be obstacles and popsicles. A giant inflatable obstacle course and popsicles? Need I say more? Nursery through pre-K childcare is available. Wednesday, March 15th, Mexico Mission Fundraiser, 7 through 8.30 p.m. Join us for a dinner and auction to raise funds to help build a house in Mexico. Email Zach at camcc.net for more info. Sunday, April 2nd, growth groups and classes begin. Sign up today on the patio for the marriage class, prayer boot camp, or growth group. It's a great way to get to know others at CAMCC and do life together, and it's just an eight-week commitment. April 3rd to 7th, Mexico Missions Trip. Middle school and high school students, come join us on our missions trip to Mexico. To sign up or for more info, talk with or email Zach at CAMCC.net. Fear is not my future, you are... Friday, April 7th, the Good Friday Experience Stations, 6 through 7.30. Come anytime between 6 and 7.30 p.m. and stay as long or as short as you would like. An interactive, powerful time of reflection, silence, scripture, and many more elements as we remember Jesus. Show up anytime between 6 and 7.30. The experience can take 30 to 60 minutes and is all based on your own pace. Childcare is available up to third grade. Sunday, April 9th, Easter gatherings, 9 and 10.45 a.m. He is risen. This is a great opportunity to invite someone to join you this Easter. They're waiting to be asked. Who will you extend an invitation to? Sunday, April 16th, Pathway, 6 through 7.30 p.m. Get to know more about CAMCC and get tools to grow in your personal journey with the Lord. Just six weeks on Sunday nights. To sign up or for more info, email Jim Moyer at camcc.net. May 26th to 29th, Family Camp. Save the date and join us for a weekend of camping together as a church at Lake Kachuma. To stay in the loop of what's going on at Camp CC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to campcc.net. 
Awesome, awesome. What a great morning this morning. I think, James, I think we're the only uh, Western help that he gets is our church. And so thank you for being a part of that. Bill, thank you for coming. Please say hi to both of them on the patio. A couple things before you go. We have Awanas who are selling burritos. Your, your diet starts tomorrow. Go get a burrito and let's have to send these kids to Bible camp this summer. Uh, also, uh, grab a budget on your way out. We're voting for our budget for the year on March 19th. If you want to get familiar with what you're voting on, you can take a budget with you and see that. And then one other thing, this season you're going to see a lot of commercials on all the socials. We have so many commercials, whether it's for the worship night or whether it's for Easter. Like them, share them. This is the season where people would be more willing to stop by church because of Easter. Would you join us in trying to be intentional about that? Then one last thing, stand up and let's do the send-off together. I loved, I absolutely love Bill's emphasis today. We are here to love our city, to love on our city. And this month we're doing a thing called Cater a cop where we're going to be catering their staff briefing times and we need you to go to Wood Ranch, buy a gift card, bring it back to us so that we can send these guys out in a fashion where they're excited to go and serve our community. And then we also need people to come with us as we serve the meal at their briefing as well. You'll hear more about that this month, but if you're thinking about that, that's the way we're going to love on our city in the month of March. It just worked out really well, Bill, so thank you for that. Have a wonderful day, great afternoon. We'll see you next week.